I guess thank you very much. Now, Steve started out this morning almost giving my, this message. Um, <laughs> some of it was almost verbatim. But today is known as Shabbat Shuvah, which means Shabbat of return. It's always the Shabbat that go, comes between Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. This is a time each year that we have a chance to return to our best selves in order to return to God himself. The understanding of Teshuvah, or repentance, is actually quite unique. It's not that we're supposed to afflict ourselves so that we can feel bad about ourselves and afflict ourselves so that we can be, feel bad about our shortcomings, so that we can feel that way. But we shouldn't be giving up on who we are or think that we waited too long to make a change or that we've been brought too low to ever be restored again or to rise up again. So this is a story of a chaplain. He was asked to give a sermon to the inmates at the jail. So as he walked up to the podium, he tripped and fell flat on his face. Now, as inmates would, they busted out in laughter when they saw this happen. And so after he dusted himself up, off, got up and came to the podium, here's what he said. That's the conclusion of my sermon. Remember that even when a person falls flat on his face, he can rise up again. The important thing is to never lose hope. Well, in our parashah today, Deuteronomy 31, verse 2, we see that Moses is now 120 years old. And he tells the children of Israel that I am no longer to go out and come in. That particular verse has been interpreted by some to mean that he was weak and he was just too old and that he couldn't go any further because he didn't have the energy. I don't agree with that interpretation. Because if we look at the final chapter of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 7, we read, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his vigor or his strength, his energy, his determination, gone. So I don't agree with those interpretations to say he was just too old and he'd lost energy. No, he, we read that he was still energetic. As a matter of fact, some scholars actually say that even though it looked like he was past his prime, and even though it was time for him to die, and that he was not going to go into the promised land, they say that this was his most powerful sermon ever. So does that sound like a man that has given up, who is not, uh, doesn't have any strength left? I don't think so. But what lesson we get from that is it tells us that we have the ability to do much more than we think we can. The problem is that sometimes we give up before we even try. The Torah is a reminder that God always wants us to return to being our best selves. We know that in Yeshua, 
we can do that each and every day. We don't have to wait for Yom Kippur. But this is a tradition. This is an exercise that has gone on for years and years and years. It's also scriptural. So it is something that we do because God said to do it. We need to realize and remember that we should always have faith and hope. No matter what hurts, failures, shortcomings that we've experienced in this past year. Moses is an example of someone that even though he knows his life is coming to an end, he's able to give that powerful message. Sometimes the thing that's standing in our way is ourselves. We sometimes simply don't believe in ourselves. Sometimes we don't believe believe in those that are around us. We even have trouble at times believing in God himself because of our circumstances. Shabbat Shuvah is a reminder that we need to believe in ourselves even if it seems like there's no hope or there's no escape. What we need to remember is that God believes in us and that he has chosen us to spread the good news to the lost. We need to remember that there are those who continue to have faith in us. And that can be extremely encouraging if we stop and think about it. One thing we can do for someone else is to show that we have faith in them. That we have the ability to look beyond their failures and their limitations and see their potential. There was a story from Parade Magazine a few years back about a self-made millionaire by the name of Eugene Land. He changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. He was asked to speak to a class of 59 students, sixth graders. He wondered, what could I say to inspire these students? Which statistically, most of them would drop out of school. He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children to even look at him. He stepped up in front of the class, had notes in front of him. He wadded up the notes and tossed them aside, decided to just speak from his heart. Here's what he said. Stay in school, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. One student was quoted as saying, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Ninety percent of that class graduated from high school. See, we sometimes fail to realize how powerful hope can be. It can literally literally change our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Because we're supposed to spread hope as we're spreading the gospel. That's what the gospel gives to them is hope. We can do anything. 
But we need to believe in ourselves, in others, and in God. Attitude is very important. Shabbat Shuvah should remind us that we should never give up on ourselves, never give up on others, never give up on God. Author Marianne Evans, who's better known as George Eliot, once said, It is never too late to become who you were meant to be. Tradition tells us that Shabbat Shuvah is especially powerful in our lives because it makes changes for the next year. Again, we could repent each and every day. But because of this entire experience, this entire high holiday season, we are looking forward to the new year that we began on Monday. Actually, Sunday night, but we celebrated on Monday as a congregation. The Talmud teaches there are four things that can change a person's destiny. Tzedakah, which is charity or justice. Tzedakah, which is crying out or speaking up. Shinui Shem, meaning changing one's name. And Shinui Ma'aseh, which is changing your conduct or habits. And then others have added Shinui Makom, which is changing one's place. The first one, Tzedakah, if we focus on doing things that can help in affecting change in the world, we will change also. When we look beyond us, ourselves, and focus on the needs of others, sometimes our own problems can seem less important. Through Tzedakah, we can not only have hope, but we become hope to others. The second one, Tzedakah, crying out or speaking up, I heard this statement years ago. It was actually made by Rush Limbaugh. Words mean things. Now, as simple as that sounds, it's important that we choose our words very carefully. Because what we say, how we say it, makes a big difference in getting the results we were looking for. And we should never keep silent when we see others being mistreated or harmed. Our words should be used to bring healing and peace and blessing, not hurt and turmoil and cursing. Shinui Hashem. Your name is an identity. And the changing of a name can be a change of identity. But it can also be a defining or redefining or clarification of identity. According to the Talmud, there is power in labels, power in identification. What words do we use to define ourselves? What words do others use to define each of us or all of us? Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy because sometimes we put ourselves down. Sometimes we'll say things like, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm worthless. It's bad enough when others say that of us. But when we say it of ourselves, we're making a declaration and a proclamation. 
that that's what we are. We're labeling ourselves. Instead, we are being, we're, we're being told that we're not worth much, wouldn't amount to anything. In the case of Eugene Long, Lang, he encouraged the students. It changed the way they were seen by others, but most importantly, how they saw themselves. So what words again do we use when we speak to others and about others? What do we say about ourselves? Through Chinui Hashem, we can inspire the hope. The fourth one, Chinui Ma'aseh, is changing the things we do and the way we act. So are there certain habits that we want to change or eliminate from our lives? See, there's this theory, or this even belief, that making behavioral changes is difficult. But if we try to make changes and don't see any success, that can actually be part of the process of change. I read that there are a total of five stages to making a change. First one is pre-contemplation, where we experience doubt or denial as far as a need for change. The second is contemplation, where we acknowledge that there is need for a change, but we're just not sure how to do it, how to make the change. Third is actually planning for the change. Fourth is actually making the change. And fifth is the most important, maintaining the change. We don't always realize how hard it can be or how much work is involved in making those changes. If change were only as simple as flipping a light switch on and off because something can be disappointing or disheartening when the change doesn't happen right now, that's when we can lose hope. We don't see an immediate change. When we can understand that change doesn't happen overnight, there's a better chance of success. Speaking of the light switch, there have actually been studies where the location of the light switch was changed from the right side of the door to the left. My right, my left. And they documented in this study how many times it took for people to relearn what they'd previously known by still trying to flip on the light switch on their right. Even though they knew that the light switch was on the left now, and on average over 67 times of doing it the old way before they changed their behavior. So change may be hard, but it's not impossible. So the lesson in that is we need to learn to be more patient with ourselves. Sometimes relearning something can be difficult. Now those are the four things that the Talmud indicates are methods to institute change. As I mentioned earlier, some say there's one more. Shinui makom, which is a change of environment. Now, that doesn't necessarily involve literally moving or leaving where we are, even though that would be one alternative. But we can make changes or we can make adjustments in the environment we're already in. Whether it's on our jobs, 
at home, you name it. It still means it's still the same. What's important is to remember that the process of change has to begin inside of us. So on this Shabbat Shuvah, we need to continue to remember with God that we can never be too late to become who he meant for us to be. There are countless ways that we can return to God and start the new year restored and renewed, both in our service and our devotion to him. We can and we should make choices that change the world around us into a world filled with hope and blessing. In Vayelech, Moses is going to die soon. He reminds the people that he's no longer going to be leading them and that Joshua will be the one to lead them into the promised land. Now, the change is inevitable. God already declared it. This is what's going to happen. And maybe some of the people were afraid. Maybe some were confused. Maybe some were uncertain. Maybe sad. Maybe even angry that their leader for the past 40 years is not going with them. He's going to be dying here and we have to go with a new leader. That could make people angry. But the change was going to happen no matter how they felt about it because God had already spoken it. You can recall that Moses had this dialogue with God. You know, would you change your mind and let me go? But he said, no, I've already declared it. You did not do what I told you to do. You did not hear my words and do them. So you're not going. So tradition says that from the beginning of Elul, we started preparing for the Day of Atonement. And ritually speaking, it's a preparation for death. Some will actually dress in a kittle, which is Yiddish for gown, which would also then be used as their burial shroud. So why is this, what is this annual rehearsal of death? Well, I want to tell you something. Yom Kippur is not about death. It's about a rebirth. As we practice Tashlik, which we did on Monday, we're burying the transgressions of the past year and beginning anew. As we observe the Day of Atonement this coming week, and we continue with this practice of introspection, repentance, and physical denial, we should experience liberation. We should be experiencing a new beginning. It's a chance for us to start all over again for another year. As human nature is, and always will be, during the past 12 months, sometimes without even thinking about it, we've drifted away from our best selves. The best selves that we became last Yom Kippur. Similar to New Year's resolutions, the first few days or even weeks after the High Holy Days have passed seem to be so promising 
But somehow, some of those bad habits resurface. Sometimes new bad habits come to light. And sometimes those bad habits can seem even worse than they were last year when we got rid of them. Judaism is about freedom. But sometimes our habits can overwhelm us and make us feel like we're imprisoned. Imprisoned by our transgressions. Imprisoned by our sins. Imprisoned by our bad habits. But this is Shabbat Shuvah. Once again, that's Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Let's look and see what our Torah portion says about making the change in direction. Three separate times, sometimes speaking to individuals, sometimes speaking to the entire community, we read the phrase, Chazak, be strong, be courageous. You can find that in Deuteronomy 31.6, 31.7, and 31.23. But in 31.6, we also read after Chazak and be courageous. Why? For Adonai, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. So that's wonderful news. We're not in it alone. If we put our trust and our faith and our hope in God, he's the one that's going to carry us through. We can't have rebirth by ourselves of our own. Sometimes we actually tend to accept our eh, not-too-bad selves. This guy's worse than me. I'm, I'm not so bad. We need to remind ourselves of those words. Be strong. Be courageous. Adonai, your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. That should make it abundantly clear to all of us that we can't do it on our own. We need his help. Guess what? We need each other's help too. That's why we're encouraged to pray for one another. Because where you're weak, someone else may be strong enough to pray with you to bring you over that hurdle. Some look at the fact that after all the work that he did... Moses does not enter the promised land and they might ask the question well what was the use of it then? What good did it do him? There's a statement in Perkei Avot the ethics of our fathers that says it is not up to you to finish the work yet you are not free to avoid it. The example of bringing someone to faith comes to mind you may witness to someone and plant the seed but you never see that seed grow but it doesn't matter you did your part someone else should come along and water and nurture that seed and someone else may be the one that leads them in that prayer of salvation ultimately You all had a part in them coming to the Lord. It's not the work being finished, but it's you doing your part in it. You're not free to avoid it. We need to look at ourselves sometimes as a work in progress. 
We might not have reached the goal. But that can't keep us from doing the everyday work of becoming transformed into our best selves. We actually have no way of knowing whether or not Moses achieved his level of completion. We assume so from what we read. He wasn't supposed to go any further. He brought most of it on himself. But for what he was supposed to do, it looks like he completed it. All we do know is how he performed his appointed duties for the Israelites as he followed God's leading. So as we finish up, wrap up, con- continue to the, this, la- this Yom Kippur in these last few days beforehand, we need to be ready to experience our rebirth. We need to be strong. We need to be courageous. And with God helping us, we can overcome all the obstacles that have gotten in the way of us changing into our best selves. Put it in his hands. Let him do the work in us. But that doesn't mean we don't do anything. We need to do our part. Let him do his part. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you and we bless you for this Shabbat Shuvah. This reminder of where we are in our relationship with you as we continue to search ourselves, know where we are in you. And give us the the boldness to come before you and say, I messed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please restore me. And allow me to come back into fellowship with you the way it should be, the way you ordained it. And give us the strength to continue on in that rebirth, continuing to do your will, continuing to carry on your work, continuing to tell others about your good news of salvation, continuing to show them who Yeshua is and what he has done and encourage them to make a choice. Make a choice to walk with you. As we speak to others, Lord, give us the words and give them the spirit to understand and hear and obey those words. Let us remember that we were once just like them, walking in unbelief, walking in not having any knowledge of you, but someone spoke those words to us. And you confirmed them in our spirits that we could rise up and walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy towards us. In Yeshua's name.